This episode is presented by Sparkling Ice. Turn up summer with Sparkling Ice. They have over 17 anything but subtle flavors, all made with zero sugar and packed with vitamins and antioxidants. Iced tea and lemonade, strawberry watermelon, tropical punch, peach nectarine. Yum. Crank up the flavor. Sparkling Ice. Anything but subtle. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Some things work so well. It's basically magic. Like my favorite highlighters that I'm like, wow, how did you all of a sudden make me look glowing? And you know what else really works, Dottie Gang? Shopify. It is a global commerce platform that helps you sell. I've seen a big difference in my online merch sales. They are especially good at turning browsers into buyers. I can see someone that's been on the site but didn't check out or someone that checked out and then is revisiting the site. Like if you want to grow your business, daddy gang, sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash unwell, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash unwell. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we're back, baby. What the fuck is up, Daddy Gang? It is your founding father back <laughs> for another episode of Call Her Daddy. It's going to be a motherfucking good one this week, Daddy Gang. I have a few questions for you, okay? Have you ever had sex with a man in his 70s? with seven girls involved? Have you ever lived in a mansion where you had to look exactly like the other girls? Have you ever had a man that would pay for any plastic surgery that you wanted in order to conform to what he wanted you to look like? Have you ever been manipulated and in a verbally and emotionally abusive relationship? The guest On today's episode, Daddy Gang has experienced all of this. Daddy Gang, if you are not familiar with Playboy because you may be a bit younger or you live under a rock, that's fine. I'm here to explain it to you before I have this guest on today. Playboy back in the day was a magazine that every single young adult old married man whoever the fuck if you had a fucking dick you had playboy underneath your bed in your side drawer and you would take out your jergens and do a fat pump of fucking lotion and jack off because there were nude photos of women in the playboy magazine known as playmates playboy bunnies back in the day playboy was known for its tagline entertainment for men with little weenies And it really built a culture of objectifying women. The man behind it all, Daddy Gangs, his name was Hugh Hefner, or a lot of people called him Hef. He was the king of it all. This man lived the life that he portrayed in the magazines. And although at the time, every man in the history that was breathing thought he was the fucking man because he had multiple hot-ass women on his arms These women were required to have platinum blonde hair, fake boobs. At times, he would dabble with having two twin sisters as his girlfriends on his arm. Loved to dabble in the incestual shit. 
with having these women live in the mansion and be his girlfriends multiple at a time, Hef was able to control women under the disguise of his money and power. And this is not a sexual issue. This is a power issue. It looks sexual. The story is going to sound sexual, but this is a power issue that has to do with the misogynistic fucking world that we live in. However, daddy gang, there is no denying it. Yes, Hef was a smart motherfucker, but you know what? There were one or two women that were just a little bit smarter than little old Hef. Daddy gang, the woman today did not sign an NDA and she is here to tell her fucking story introducing former playmate boss ass bitch businesswoman beautiful human being Holly Madison Holly Madison welcome to call her daddy Uh, thanks for having me I'm such a fan of the show I'm super excited you don't even understand what that means to me because I am the biggest fan of you thank you I (laughs) would hide in my room and watch your show because I didn't know if my mom was gonna be like you're Uh allowed to watch that or not yeah and I would binge it and I I idealized you like I wanted to look like you I oh, you're so sweet. Thank it, you. The whole thing. You were someone that I looked up to my entire childhood. The show was fascinating. Now reading your book, it's clearly the show is a little bit different than reality. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I've been a fan of you my whole life. So, Thank you. So cool to sit with you. I think today it's going to be cool to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And Holly and I had Zoomed prior to this, just kind of discussing like what, what route we wanted to go with this episode. We are currently in an era... We're not fully there yet, but we're getting there where we're breaking down that wall of misogyny. And because of people like Holly Madison, Holly, I truly believe you paved the way for me and my generation to be able to have a voice. I have this show because of women like you being able to fight through misogynistic environments and come out on top. You not only survived, but then you thrived after the mansion. Thank you. And like I was saying before on our Zoom, like I wish a show like yours had been around when I was younger because I feel like when I got into that situation at the mansion, which we'll get to, um, after like my first night there, there was so much like shame involved in it that it really made me afraid of like everyone's judgment outside because I didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to about that kind of thing. And even as recently as like 15, 20 years ago, I feel like just women weren't talking about sex openly or positively at all. It was still like a very shameful thing. It was still like nobody admitted to having a body count of more than two people, which isn't really realistic <laughs> at all. Yeah. Like if you do, like I, I, I totally say like, get out there, keep mm-hmm. going after it. Where prior it was like, oh my God, you've had sex with two men disgusting what's wrong with you no one's gonna want (laughs) to touch you or marry you and it's like shut the fuck up that's absolutely not how it goes Mm -hmm. so I really thank you for saying that because I think that's why we're here today like you are a pillar of what I look up to as a woman who you had it so rough back then and so we're gonna kind of get into because as Mm -hmm. we're talking back in the day Holly in her 20s was up against the really the heightened version of what was misogynistic culture and then you went headfirst into the mansion which was the sexual top tier of anything you could have gotten to and I think you thought it was a glamorized life and it clearly wasn't so before we get into your adult life that you're known for 
I think it's it's always interesting to kind of delve back into your childhood. And if you could, if people haven't read the book, kind of walk us through like where you're from, who you were as a child. Because I think a lot of people think it's fascinating to be like, how did, how did you get here? Yeah, well, I was born in Oregon. I moved to Alaska when I was three. I grew up there from ages three to 10. And I lived in a really, really remote area on Prince of Wales Island. It was basically, I lived in a really tiny town, but there were some off the, we moved around a little bit too. And there were some very like off the grid moments. Like when you see those like, Alaskan off the grid shows I like that was those. very much my childhood like I used to read the little house on the prairie books when I was little and I would like relate to that because I felt like that was kind of my life and then I moved to Oregon when I was in fourth grade and we moved around to a bunch of different towns to the point where I was going to like two different schools every year between like fourth and sixth grade so I had a hard time fitting in and I also looking back I suspect that I'm not neurotypical like I think I have Asperger's like I want to go get diagnosed because I have um I've always had like a difficult time connecting with other people um and I bring that up because as we get into the story of me arriving at the mansion and thinking it's realistic for me to have a relationship with a much older man when I was dealing with all the love bombing and the things that were coming from him I kind of thought to myself well I've never really connected with a guy my own age and I have a lot of time connecting with anybody my age. Maybe I'm just like this old soul and I'm meant to be with older people. So I think that played into that a lot. Being vulnerable, talking Uh about potentially wanting to know if you are on the spectrum, that is we're talking about so many things about like finally things are getting normalized yeah that's a topic that I don't know is very normalized right now so for you to come on here and say that I respect you so much how has that journey been like for you like what has that has that process been well I never considered myself as someone who might be on the spectrum I just never thought of it I always thought I just had difficulties with people and I was just different and I just attributed it to being like an introvert or a bookworm growing up or things like that. I just thought I was just always challenged socially. I didn't know. But um, one time my ex-husband was talking to my mom and he was asking her like, he was saying I was really hard to connect with. And that that's like my husband at the time saying that. So that, that just goes to show how hard I am to connect with. And he was asking my mom about it. And my mom said, well, I always thought she had Asperger's and she just never said anything to me because it's not... I mean, you can do treatment for it, but it's not like something you can be, you know, quote unquote, cured from or anything like that. So she never said anything about that. And there were moments in my childhood, and this was in the 80s when I was really little, where people would come up to her and ask if I was autistic. And back then, autism wasn't being diagnosed like it is today at all. Like there wasn't the awareness. So that must say something. I don't know what it was about me that was giving off those cues, but it's been something that I wanted to go... I thought about getting a diagnosis. I'm definitely going to get a diagnosis. I actually wanted to before I came on this podcast because I'd love to be able to like speak more intelligently about it, but I was just too busy. (laughs) No, that's amazing that you're open about that. I actually would love to keep updated on that journey with you. Oh, yeah, for sure. I have so much respect for you to be open about that because it's not a deficit I think if anything you coming on here that's a strength for you to be like maybe that is happening and maybe that's why I am the way I am yeah understanding no matter what it is why you are the way you are that helps you then understand why you make the decisions you make so in your childhood I I can imagine now you're saying that makes more sense you're isolated in terms of 
actual your environment yeah. you're never in one place at one time mm-hmm. and so you're not getting the typical oh those are my middle school friends these are my high school yeah. friends we're all together <laughs> you're constantly moving mm-hmm. and then on top of that having an having a hard time connecting with people so would you say in high school you were like a loner would you say you were outgoing but you just weren't connecting with girls like what do you think you're like who were you in high school if we were like I definitely the weird girl <laughs> I, I was like a hybrid I was on the cheerleading team but I was also like the weird quiet girl who Got would it. wear like bizarre clothing and we stayed in one place for high school so I was there and I had some friends but it was never really the same group of friends every year and they weren't really like deep right. friendships like great people but I kind of was moved to a place where everybody had known each other since kindergarten. And there were some people who were really cool and, like, really, like, took me into their group. But I never really had a super deep connection with a peer at that age. I had a boyfriend in high school, too. But even that relationship, looking back, it wasn't super deep. And then in college, I went to Portland State University first. And that was um, a school with a lot of older students. It wasn't, like, a party school or, like, typical college experience. I transferred down to a school in L.A., And was just never really, I never really had like the normal college social scene or never, like when I would date, it wouldn't last very long. I just had a really hard time connecting with people. I watched, that's interesting because I watched, I think it was like an E! interview that Mm -hmm. you had done like 10 years ago. And you get to LA Mm -hmm. because you said you idealized LA. You would go there at times for like family vacations. Yeah, I always wanted to live in LA when I was a kid. So I was super excited. You know, I transferred school. So I was um, there and I also wanted to be an actress. So I had an agent. I was doing auditions. I had um, scholarships, but I had to keep my grades up to get my scholarship, to keep my scholarships and also work just you know, for spending money and for rent and stuff like that. So I was kind of trying to do too many things at once. Like trying to get the good grades so I could keep my scholarships and working a lot of hours waitressing so I could pay my bills and also auditioning and kind of failing at all of them because I was just trying to do too much at one time and it kind of got me to this place where my roommates had all kind of like given up on LA and were moving back home you know my credit was shot to hell because you know I just wasn't that responsible with my credit cards And I was kind of in this desperate place of literally like sleeping on somebody's couch. And I'd been going to these parties at the Playboy Mansion and, you know, seeing the community there, which all seems very nice on the outside. You know, all his friends like love him and talk him up and he seems like such a nice person. And, you know, some of his girlfriends were talking to me a little bit like, oh, you should come out with us sometime. And I thought maybe maybe this is something I should do. So I have like a safe place okay to live i kind of skipped ahead no 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 this is good no you're giving us everything we need two seconds my first question is prior to moving into the mansion prior Mm -hmm. to getting to la what was your relationship like with your family because i always think that's an like everyone has their shit with their families or amazing families whatever it is Uh but just the dynamic with your family do you have siblings etc i do have younger siblings but my dynamic with my family it's we're not super like close but I think that's because I was not really close with anybody and didn't open up to anybody growing up and like when I say I'm not close with my family I think people think that means that they're bad or and it's not it at all like they're great people I just wasn't super close and like when I was making a decision and thinking about oh maybe I should move into the Playboy Mansion that's nothing I would have ever like discussed with my family okay that makes sense because I think the dynamic always with like 
every single person naturally wants to be like holly what did what did your parents say yeah what, what did you tell your parents how did you tell your were you the oldest yeah i was the oldest okay that's interesting and i did tell them once i moved in but i didn't tell them you know all the details or anything and i remember after i'd been there maybe a month like my dad came down to la and he stopped by and like this was during the day and like oh, he came into the mansion yeah and like hef was busy he was in the office and stuff and my dad was like oh so does hef even live here Okay. And I was just like, yeah, but, but like, but like, that's how little they know about anything that was going on or like what the relationship was. Okay. So as far as they knew, like their daughter was in a house and it almost looked like a sorority house and like, great yeah. for you, Holly. Like you said you had one boyfriend in high school. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you when you lost your virginity? Yeah, I was 16. Okay. And was it with that boyfriend? Yeah. Okay. So you finally are in LA. Mm-hmm. Daddy gang, she's at a new college. She's trying to figure it out. You have to explain, like, how did you even get to the Playboy Mansion? And also, I think it's important to explain, like, I grew up on this, and I know there's people a little bit younger than mm-hmm. me. Like, the Playboy Mansion was everything. Like, yeah, it's hard celebrity, to right? now. It's, it, was, it would never be allowed <laughs> yeah. now. Are you kidding me? It's like, yeah. fuck no. Like, Hugh Hefner would literally be like, I'm not going to say he would be Harvey Weinstein, but like, there was a huge issue now. If that was in today's yeah. day and age, you'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Absolutely not. You're objectifying women. Not okay. Not uh-huh. a thing. But back in the day, it was so glamorized. And every A-list celebrity, like you name it, I'm sure Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, yeah, like who sure. knows, those people were at these parties because at in the beginning, it was so exclusive. I mean, obviously, you can attest to it more than Mm -hmm. I can, but I just know that anyone that doesn't understand Playboy and the Playboy Mansion, it was the it place to go, and it was infamous, and it was everything. Yeah, when I moved here um, in, like, 1999, 2000, so long ago, it feels so weird to say how long ago that was. But going to a party at the Playboy Mansion in L.A., it was, like, the thing everybody wanted to do. And my job when I was in college, I worked at a Hooters in Santa Monica. And all the women who worked there were always talking about wanting to go. And some of them did get invited. Because for these parties, like, the big parties at the mansion, maybe the guest list would be, like, a 1,000 people. And it would be, like, Hef's really small circle of close friends. It would be playmates. It would be celebrities. And then it would be just tons of beautiful women got it like there wouldn't be very many men there at all unless they were like celebrities or like a close friend of hef's and so um, you're always getting like girls they're like looking for new girls to come in and get invited for sure and so rant how did you get invited i got invited because i was working for hawaiian tropic they would basically like hire you to like show up in like a hawaiian tropic tank top at like some random event or something like that another side side hustle and um hef's doctor was at one of the events and he told the coordinator like oh invite all of these women to the next party and i was so excited because it was just the exciting thing to do it was like the exclusive invitation like a few girls at my work got to go and they were always thought of as like really cool and when I went to the first party how did you decide what to wear oh my god oh Um, my god well it was a lingerie party and obviously (gasps) like I didn't want to wear anything too revealing because I was kind of nervous so I went to like a Fredericks of Hollywood oh my god I love it you're like it was a lingerie party but I didn't want to wear anything too revealing well I didn't want to be like thong out but (laughs) but I got like a corset so I was at least like my stomach was covered and I got like one of those little silk robes that go over it so I think I probably wore a thong underneath but but still I was like kind of covered yeah 
So um, I went, and there was um, another girl, my roommate, who worked with me, got an invitation as well. So we were so excited that we both got the invitation, and we went to the party. And, like, the party didn't disappoint at all. It was just, like, the backyard where the party was. There was a tent over the backyard. It was so beautiful. Oh, my God. Like, you saw so many recognizable faces. Like, the women were all so beautiful. And people always want to know, like, were there crazy orgies and stuff? I'm sure there were. I heard about it. But, right. like, I didn't see it. When I was there, I it was probably like too early. I probably like ended up actually leaving early. I don't know. You're like going to bed. Yeah. I was like, I actually was asleep, but I'm pretty sure because I remember like watching it and every everyone talks about the fucking grotto. Yeah, like whatever the grotto <laughs> thing, and everyone's like, there's probably orgies out by the grotto, uh-huh. and it was just this like fairy tale land. But mm-hmm. it's also I can only imagine how stress inducing to be. Well, I'm like. I have my insecurities walking into that mansion. And Mm -hmm. I guess maybe in the beginning, although it was intimidating, you had nothing to lose. Yeah, for sure. Seeing all these beautiful women, Uh I would be like, holy shit, the competition and how you have to look a certain way. And if you don't have blonde hair, like, are you even allowed in? Like, those those thoughts would go through, I think, any girl's head of just being super Mm self-conscious in this type of environment. And it breeds insecurity. Yeah, for sure. When I went to my first party, I didn't feel like that because I just felt like lucky to be there. And I was just like, you know, seeing women that I recognized and recognized from the magazine. I'm like, oh, my God, they're so beautiful. But living there and once you're more just involved in the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Your first party. How did you then slowly transition into getting into the actual house and being able to live there? Um, I went to the first party and then I got invited because when you go went to the parties, they would have you take a Polaroid when you arrived if you were new on the guest list and they would grade you like A, B, or C. And like A would be invited to everything. B would be invited, you know, sometimes <laughs> needed, like yeah. to the really bigger parties. C was like desperate or something. Desperate I don't know. Yeah, they're like, shit, we've got a shortage. Everyone's <laughs> on spring break. Get the season. <laughs> You're like, shit. Okay. Yeah. And I knew obviously like you're told they're going to take a Polaroid of you when you show up, but I didn't really know about like the grading process until right. later. So they take a Polaroid of you, and then I got called to go back to, like, one of the smaller parties, which was, like, the fun in the sun pool parties they'd have on Sundays. So I was really excited to go to that. It was really small. There were maybe, like, 10 to 20 women there, and just, like, half in his really close circle of friends. Like, he'd be in the corner playing backgammon by the pool with some people, and then, like, some of his friends would be, like, out on the tennis courts. But it was a really small pool party and I would go to those and you like you would say hi to Hef or thanks for inviting me but he would never really talk to anybody and I just kind of got to know some of his friends and just the other women that went up there and everybody just seemed to have such a positive view of him and the whole environment were his friends creepy like did any of you Mm -hmm. ever have to like sleep with his friends because like I have talked about on call her daddy before like now it's like there are the say it's like an athlete mm-hmm. and then the athlete has that like ugly ass weird friend the vulture just, the vulture no i love you that you brought that up the vulture because right? vultures are so real like i've had that in so many of my right? relationships the dudes have had vultures and they've tried to like ruin my relationship with the dude it's such a thing it is like you are out of your mind half the time they're yeah. butt ugly and i'm like you but they're are like only- getting the runoff yes, yes. <laughs> and, they're and, they're, so and the runoff is like a hot ass chick yeah. and it's like wait you are only fucking this girl because of who you're associated with yeah. don't get it twisted yeah. and so i'm wondering like in the highest mm-hmm. form of it you have Hugh Hefner and then I'm assuming he allows because I know he was like a pretty jealous guy but Uh like I'm assuming he allows some guys to come into his area like you're saying you talk to them did any of the girls ever sleep with his friends 
not that I know of. Like, he was always really careful about just having other older men around. And I know some of them would, like, try to talk to the playmates. But as far as I know, it would never really get anywhere. He was very selective about how he curated his friend crew. I can imagine. Because then I'm thinking, like, the parties. Like, if there's celebrities at the parties. Mm -hmm. Imagine now in today's age, like, Bradley Cooper is walking up to your girl and, like, half's in the corner. Like, I'm assuming any girl's going to want to go for Bradley over, like, Hugh. Like, was there any issues with celebrities at the time talking to his girlfriends and then having that issue like how did you just not talk to the celebrities when you kind of are the main girls as the girlfriends in the party situation well a lot of the girlfriends did like when I first moved in there were six other women living there and a lot of them were dating other people on the side um I mean they weren't supposed to that was like against the rules and Hef was super jealous like I've seen people come in like five minutes after 9 p.m curfew and like get dressed down by him just so it was so strict but like people would try to have side relationships oh for sure people would sneak out people would be like dating guys on the side they would always say oh i'm gonna fly home and visit my family but they'd really be Fully like see their boyfriend fucking kid rock or something oh my god i love it <laughs> i love it they're like casually dating kid rock yeah. like, just a classic in the playboy mansion yeah. so you finally get in because i remember in the book you're saying you basically which i love it you balls you essentially walked up to hef one mm-hmm. day and you were like do you think i can live here and like yeah and you said like you would like speak high-pitched because he can't fucking hear he's like yeah you're like "Ah!" (laughs) yeah he he wouldn't he lost his hearing in one ear so I always felt like he couldn't hear me unless my voice was like really high-pitched and it kind of just built up over the years so that I had this like mega bimbo voice when I was talking "Ah!" he's like that's Holly like you're like at least you can get his attention and so he says yes come live well, um, I had to sleep with him first. Okay, but, that, okay, yeah. yeah, but that is something I love that you called Kendra out in it. There was, like, so many things that I wanted to discuss, <laughs> but, like, I respect that in Kendra's book, uh-huh. she had said, like, and then I moved in, and you're like, hold on, you don't get to act better than us. Like, hold on, you yeah. do have to admit that you had to sleep with him before moving in. Like, let's, let's not get it twisted. Like, yeah, like, I'm not trying to, like, slut shame anybody no. or anything, but it's just, like, nobody ever got asked to move in unless they had slept with him okay like, so that's no a way. prerequisite uh-huh, like you have to sure. okay yeah I mean you think about it it would be even creepier if he's like oh move, move in, in and then right. like jumping that's true. on you that's yeah. actually true it's almost like you it's and I guess it's kind of like dating nowadays like yeah a lot of people want to have sex with the dude before you're gonna be like you're my boyfriend mm-hmm. you're not like let's be boyfriend and girlfriend and then let's try to have sex and yeah, see how it goes exactly. like no, no no let's fuck first and then if we want we'll get in a relationship mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Some things work so well. It's basically magic. Like my favorite highlighters that I'm like, wow, how did you all of a sudden make me look glowing? And you know what else really works, Dottie Gang? Shopify. It is a global commerce platform that helps you sell. I've seen a big difference in my online merch sales. They are especially good at turning browsers into buyers. I can see someone that's been on the site but didn't check out or someone that checked out and then is revisiting the site. Like if you want to grow your business, Daddy Gang, sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash unwell, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash unwell. Yeah. So the the infamous night you're out did you know this was gonna go down you know I knew I was prepared okay 
Wait, and why? Because you thought you were going to potentially move in soon, and so you knew yeah. this was coming. Okay, so can you walk them through the night if they didn't read the book? Yeah, well, I don't think I would have had the balls to approach him and say, oh, can I go out with you guys one night? And the only reason I felt comfortable doing that is some of his girlfriends had already, like, casually suggested it. Like, oh, you should come out with us some night. So the only reason I even had the balls to do that was because I was kind of desperate. Like, I was living, sleeping on somebody's couch. Totally. Like, I just felt like I need a minute to like reset my life and I felt like if I could stay at the mansion and you know just have a minute kind of like not worry about bills and that is so relatable like (laughs) I'm sitting here thinking like I've been there where I was dating a guy that had money Mm -hmm. and I knew he was cheating on me but I didn't want to let him know I knew yet because I didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah, you just need a minute I didn't to have figure a job. out your like, shit. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. wait, where am I going to go? There is that, like, fight or flight moment of, like, take care of yourself and then figure it out. As much as it may seem unrelatable, this mm-hmm. crazy world. When yeah. someone's saying, do you want to move into a mansion? I don't know. How old were you? 21? 22. 22. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people may be like, maybe. So you have this idea. Uh-huh. You go out with Hef. Had you known all the girls slept with him or just the main girlfriend? Because I know publicly, don't they say just the main girlfriend? Yeah. Okay. Well, I assumed they all had to sleep with him at some point. Yes. But it was impossible to get the full story because the girls would never talk about it, ever. And in fact, right after I joined the group, we went on a trip to New York and we were at this Comedy Central roast they were doing for Hef. And this journalist came up to me and asked me, oh, you know, asked, just asked me a few questions. She goes, so are you guys like a traveling harem? And I just kind of laughed and said yes. And then one of the other girlfriends came up to me after the journalist left. And she was like, what did she say to you? What did you say? And I told her and she goes, no, we don't ever say that. Like, we don't ever admit to sleeping with him. We only say Tina does because Tina was like the quote unquote main girlfriend at the time. So they would always kind of blame it on her so they could like keep their reputations intact i guess so it wasn't hef's doing like hef i mean i'm like i don't think hef would give a shit if he's like yeah i'm fucking all these seven oh he wanted everybody to know in fact before i moved in one of his girlfriends had gone she was a centerfold and she had gone on howard stern and she full-on said yeah i live with him but we don't have sex with him and he ended up like banning her from the playmate list like she wasn't ever allowed to like do promotions for playboy again so he's fully trying to make sure the narrative is he has sex with all these women yeah absolutely which is sort of true yeah yeah so you go out that night Mm -hmm. i remember you saying you're getting really hammered really i think any girl would do (laughs) as they're chilling with this like 70 80 year old dude and you're like getting ready for like a potential night you get back to the mansion well first he tried to offer me quaaludes which i turned down (laughs) Dude, tell the daddy gang what he called them. Tell me that exact Yeah, okay, the whole story. Okay, I got to back up a little bit, too, just to show you where my mindset was. So I'd been coming up to the mansion parties for about a year at that point. And I was at a point where, obviously, I didn't know half well. I'd never really had, like, a major conversation with him. But I got to the point where I kind of, like, admired him and looked up to him because he was so successful. And he seemed like such a nice person who was so, like, generous with all his friends and always throwing all these you know pool parties and buffets and everybody spoke so highly of him Mm. and just from the outside everybody seemed really happy like I did notice that a lot of the girlfriends didn't show up to like the pool parties and things like that and I wondered why they didn't like those things I I didn't know you're like it's a pool party it seems fun yeah so maybe that was like a hint that they were miserable that they didn't want to show up to those things but I didn't see it as that at that time it just everybody seemed really happy from my perspective at the time And um, he showed a documentary about himself 
which sounds funny, but he sh- he had a screening of this documentary about himself one of the nights I was there. And I watched it and it told this whole story about how he had this problem. Um, he had a secretary who ended up killing herself because she got in some trouble with the law or some, some big long story. Right. And he was saying how, like, he didn't do drugs and he didn't ever want drugs in the house. And he felt like the FBI was trying to, like, set up this woman to, like, rat him out and say there were drugs at the house. So he was, like, talking about how he was, like, anti-drugs, didn't want drugs at the mansion or something. So when we're out at the club and he offers me these quaaludes, I thought I was being tested. I thought he was testing me to see, oh, is this girl going to, like, bring drugs into the house or is she going to do drugs? So I said no, and he was like, oh, I go, no, I don't do drugs. And he goes, yeah, I usually don't either. But, you know, in the 70s, we used to call these thigh openers. And I'm like, okay. You're like, so listen, Grandpa, get that thing the fuck away from me. No, no, yeah. no. Wait, and so girls would take them. Absolutely. He would hand them out for years after I moved in. Like, there got to be a point where his source wasn't available anymore, so he stopped handing them out maybe like three or four years after I moved in. But he would hand them out every night, and people would accept them. Just I because it would, like, them. relax them, and then it's like they're going back to have sex with this dude. Like, yeah. at least they'll be relaxed and not realizing, like, what the fuck is happening. Yeah. Okay. So you deny. Love it, Holly. You're like, woo, woo, woo. You're like, no, I, I thought actually I was passing was... test number one. Yeah. So you're like, but now I'm going to go hit the vodka super hard. Yeah, totally. And we always smoked weed when we got back to the house, too. Okay. So it was like always wasted. Like, I don't remember a time in that bedroom I wasn't wasted. Okay, that's helpful. Uh-huh. So you get back and the bedroom or the, what is it called? The bed routine or the night, yeah. nighttime routine. Yeah. What does that even mean? Well, everybody would go upstairs, you know, after we went out. Yep. And basically, everybody would have sex. And I didn't know what to expect. Like I said before, I assumed everybody was having sex with him. But I kind of, I think I had the feeling that, okay, well, this is my first night out. Maybe I won't be expected to do anything my first night. Maybe I could kind of, like, ease into it. Maybe I could kind of, like sounds creepy like I'm being a total looky-loo but maybe I could kind of like see what's going on or like see what this entails or maybe somebody will explain it to me yeah and but then when I got up there I was so wasted and was just kind of like thrown into it that once it was done there was something about the experience that made me feel very out of control so it sounds a little counterintuitive when I say Feeling out of control in that situation made me want to, like, stick to that situation more because other people might say, well, if you were uncomfortable with that, why didn't you just fucking run? No. But for me, like, I'm already kind of in this desperate situation anyway, and I'd already kind of thought that living at the mansion might be a solution to my problems. And I think I felt like if I were just to leave that night and never go back, I would have felt really used and really chewed. Yeah, exactly. Really chewed up and spit out. And then I'd be dealing with all my real world problems on top of, wait, why did I do that? Why did I like compromise my boundaries? I, I completely understand that. It's almost like when you make a decision that you're like, wait, what did I do? Sometimes it's way easier to lean harder in rather than face the truth. And I think it's also really understandable that you're walking into a room where there's seven girls and like you're saying, I was hoping maybe someone would like explain it to me. Yeah. But then reading in the book, you had a female that Vicky or whoever that mm-hmm. you almost said felt like she was like grooming girls where it was like she's in for as, sure right she's yeah. a girlfriend and so daddy Yang, to give you an idea this girl was already in the mansion 
she would then go find girls that weren't fully girlfriends that could come back those nights basically to have sex so she didn't have to have sex with half like that's how what it sounds like it was like yeah because not everybody would have sex every night like if somebody like kept their underwear on that meant like they were on their period or something like that and of course people would try and wear their underwear as many nights as possible but then hep would always pressure them or if somebody wore he's like you've been on your period for two months exactly and i think for her like she used to tell me that she was like the quote-unquote lesbian of the group like not meaning she was actually a lesbian but that she would go out and recruit other girls and she's like I chose that role and I always kind of felt like it was to win favor with Hef but also like to take pressure off of her so like if she's keeping her underwear on and not having sex as much like he doesn't really put pressure on her because she's the one that's bringing always yeah bringing girls in also I can only imagine how intimidating like at 22 I'm trying to picture myself in that environment and any girl listening you can try to picture it too with me like I remember in the book you said the like two screens are on with porn on the lights are low like it's a full orgy Mm -hmm. happening but like had you ever had sex in a room with people watching you no so like (laughs) not at all like i'd only ever had like the most boring basic sex ever so so i'm assuming like that's first of all shocking like i can imagine you're like what is happening and then i remember you saying like it was the fastest situation like one minute there's a body on top of you Mm -hmm. and the next it's like over and he i guess he like does he always just jack off to finish himself off yeah he never comes in a girl no also does he ever pleasure girls like, did he ever get a girl off, or is it all of you just getting him off? No, I don't think he ever did. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. Right. I'm trying to go back and You're be like, like, no, now that you mention it, Alex. no, that that wasn't. No, that wasn't his thing. Like he was. Ne- <laughs> it wasn't his thing to ever pleasure the women. No, so no one was getting fingered. No one was getting eaten out by him. I mean, he might like finger people, but but it, it wasn't like wasn't like a big effort. Let's get you yeah, off. No. <laughs> so no one, everyone's in the room faking orgasms. Yeah, for sure. So it's a full show, yeah. kind of like everything else. It's like not just in the bedroom, everywhere else. So yeah. you leave that experience. There were three types of girls. You said after mm-hmm. those moments of having sex with Hef, it was the runners, yeah. the hustlers, and then the fighters. And can you describe that tier system so they can understand that? Well, I felt like, you know, over the years, I would see so many women, like, just come in for, like, one night, and some of them would just disappear. Like, you'd never hear from them again. And that's kind of, I think, what most people think a quote-unquote normal reaction might be. Like, if you went upstairs and didn't really like what you saw or what you participated in, that you would just leave. Mm. And then there were people who... I like other women who lived there before me and some who came during who... I mean, I I wasn't close with these people. I didn't get along with them at all. But And I don't want to, like, assume I know what was going on inside of them. But from the outside, they seemed like they were just really good at, like, hustling. They like, exactly they, they came straight for. from, like, the strip club. No, no offense if no. you're a stripper. I'm not saying every stripper is the same. But they just knew the hustle. And they were good at it. And they seemed a little more detached. Where I felt like I was just internalizing, like, all this shame. And I just felt like by sticking it out, I was just fighting, like, for myself and fighting to like get something out of this experience I guess I think that's I understand what you're saying like the girls that almost went in there when they got into the room the lights were off and all the girls were there mm-hmm. they anticipated that they understood like this is the first step and then the next step is hopefully I get to move in like they obviously understood what they were trying to get out of this you went in you obviously had the idea of like I do need a place to say this does look kind of a, like a great situation possibly and then you get the reality hits you're in a bed with an eight-year-old man with seven girls and after that i get what you're saying you're like 
hold on. If I just fucked this dude, I'm going to get something out of this. I can't just now go home. Like, not get something out of this, but, like, I got to, like, keep fighting. Like, what? now I do deserve a fucking bedroom in the house. You yeah, I mean? for sure. Like, living at the mansion was something I thought would just be, like, a super fun, like, crazy experience in my tw- or 20s that I'd like look back on. And, yeah, exactly. I, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be conventional, and I was excited about it, and I wanted to stay and, like, get that full experience. Even And even though that first night wasn't, like, a sexual experience that I would have organically wanted to do in a way, just not being comfortable with it made me want to push more to get the part of the experience I wanted out of it. Had you, can I ask you, what was Mm -hmm. the oldest man prior to half moving to the mansion that you had had sex with? Oh my gosh, like a guy in his early 20s, probably. Okay, so this is like so new. <laughs> yeah, this so is like... you're like, mm-hmm. this is like out of your comfort Every zone. Everything about the experience was completely different. And I get what you're saying, like now that you've had time to reflect and you're saying like maybe I maybe socially, it's like why is it mm-hmm. not easy for me to connect? So maybe this moment was the most validating you had felt like you're saying he started to like you get all these compliments oh yeah for sure like when you have this really accomplished older man who is surrounded by all these people who just have nothing but the most glowing things to say about him and he's saying to me like all the things that now I know are super cliche for like groomers but like you're so mature for your age you're so smart for your age like you're so giving for someone your age oh my god remember you listened to the Mia Khalifa one when she was like if someone says you're mature for your age fucking run Run. he's like creeper yeah, like what it's the fuck? crazy it, like and i remember he oh my god there's that's funny because mia was like run 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 but i get what you're saying but it is kind of like a weird intoxicating situation that you're being put into for sure like here was this man who'd accomplished accomplished so much and seen so much and he's telling me that like i'm really special like it's hard not to buy into that because you want to so, uh, completely so you move in mm-hmm. you're one of seven girlfriends mm-hmm. at the time first can you kind of like give everyone an understanding of what this place was like you move in and mm-hmm. there's like allowances curfews you have to, you're trying to look a certain way yeah. like can you roll that out for us oh my gosh it's hard for me to know where to start because there were so <sighs> many things like there's the nine o'clock curfew which was one of the few rules I knew about when I moved in like I always say it I always hate it when people say I knew what I was getting into because I absolutely did not like I thought I kind of had like a hazy idea of what living at the mansion would be before I moved in but nobody breaks it down for you like I think people imagine it being like 50 shades of gray where the woman is like sat down in a conference room and given this long contract and you're told exactly what's going to happen and what do you consent to and what do you not it's not like that at all like that's what I remember you saying too like what a weird dynamic with the girls Mm -hmm. they don't they if anything they try to glamorize it to the girls outside so more girls come in at times yeah you they wouldn't tell you anything yeah and even as I was there I would ask like the woman in the room next to me I'm like okay what happens this day what happens that day and they would tell me like the bare minimum like they wouldn't even tell me like oh this is the salon we go to that he pays the tab for while I'm like doing my hair by myself on my own you're like bleaching your hair dyeing your hair and they're like fully there's a salon that you're allowed to yeah nobody really wants to help anybody it's out full competition yeah for sure like so everybody wants a centerfold like everybody wants more money so you get allowances mm-hmm. we would get like a thousand dollars a week which i thought was fascinating because you i remember so savvy trying to figure it out you're like some girls would try to save the money mm-hmm. whether you're trying to pay off your student loans whatever save money so you can get out yeah and then there were snitches in the house that would be like i can tell she hasn't bought anything this week 
like she's clearly saving her money yeah because the money was supposed to be for a clothing allowance for clothes to wear out to a club or to parties and um you know somebody would point out oh look at her outfit that only costs that much like they'd tell one of the secretaries so the secretary would run back to Hef and go like oh you don't need to give her that much money because she's not spending it on clothes so, so it was people this... were like full snitching on each other yeah and it was this weird game where you're trying to make it look like you have something to show for the money the clothing allowance but you're also trying to save so you can like get out of there and so you you get your own room or you have to have a roommate for a little bit of time we each had our own room in the big well actually no I was put in one of the bigger rooms with one of the other women at first and then someone moved out so I was given um, one of the smaller rooms by myself and then I moved into half's room like a couple months later when like his main girlfriend moved out that we're getting there because yeah. that <laughs> whole thing is so crazy to me okay so the female dynamic I think everyone in my dms right now was like you have to ask her like was it like a sorority house was it not kind of paint the picture of I, I remember the quote was like it made a sorority house look like bible study yeah it was horrendous like the first three or four years I lived there like before it was just me Bridget and Kendra it was like me and six other women and it would rotate like every couple years like there would be new people and it was just really cutthroat nobody got along everybody was trying to like snitch on the other or like tell half a lie about the other to try and get somebody kicked out you started in the mansion though and you were liked because you were like this innocent girl I was just more quiet than the other women like they wanted to like sneak out and go out to clubs and like find the next celebrity to date and things like that and I just wanted to like take a minute where I could like relax and figure out like what's my next step in life and when Hef would do things like have buffet dinners with his friends or like show old movies like I genuinely liked going to those like I liked his close friends and I liked watching the old movies so the other girls liked that at first because they were like we don't want to do any of that stuff so somebody else is there doing it that like takes the spot and he's not gonna like criticize us for not being there so that arrangement worked but then And then, you know, when his main girlfriend, Tina, moved out, the other girls kind of, like, pushed me into that position because they didn't want the scrutiny of having to be the one who sat next to him and, like, ordered his drinks and is there at all the dinners and things like that. So they kind of pushed me into that spot because nobody wanted it. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because I thought every girl is trying to get the main girlfriend. No. Oh, my God. Because I, Holly, was like, Mm -hmm. wait, why would anyone want that? Because Daddy Gang, the the main girlfriend at has to sleep in his bed now you don't get your own room you have to sleep in bed with him every single night and i can't help but be like absolutely zero privacy (laughs) zero privacy you have to sleep with this man every night and now all the other girls are getting the perks of it to be like i have my own room i get the like all the things so did you ever want to be the main girlfriend well at first i was flattered by it because it was like Maybe a week after I moved in, one of the other girlfriends was like, oh, I think, you know, when Tina moves out, Hef really likes you. You're going to be his next main girlfriend. And, of course, this is, like, early on in, like, Hef's and my relationship, so it's still, like, in the love bombing phase. And I just felt like I was really special. Like, oh, I'm, like, the newest one here, like, and he wants me in that spot? Oh, my God. Totally. Meanwhile, everybody else had, like, been there long enough to know what the deal was, and they were like, like, we don't want to be there, so she can go there. But then everybody turned on me not long after because Hef realized that he could use, like, my quote-unquote good behavior 
as like a comparison for the other girls. So if they were like late to curfew or if they were like breaking some kind of rule, he'd be like, why can't you just behave like Holly does? And then, then they hated me. Then it was all over. Like you are, yeah, yeah. Now you are the person they all hate. Cause now Hef is comparing all of them to you. Yeah. And you're like the goody two shoes. And it's like, Oh, everyone's like, Holly fucking go out once. Like stop being perfect. Cause now you're making us look bad. Yeah. Like at first they thought of me as somebody who could like kind of fill the spot they didn't want. And then they looked at me as like this comparison of what they could be acting like but didn't want to so then they were like let's get this bitch out of here it's interesting because like in interviews everyone talks about how you guys were in love Uh uh-huh you loved him he loved you he thought he was going to spend the rest of his life with you you were gonna you tried to have children together Uh where do you think that shift happened of you being like i'm just gonna try to get a roof on my head i want this man's validation and attention Mm -hmm. To being like, I'm in love with this older man. Um, I'm trying to think when the shift actually happened. Because when I was ready to move in, I had this vision of him as someone I really admired, really looked up to. I really thought he was a nice guy based on what I'd seen with my limited interactions with him and his friends. And I had pictured when I moved in, I thought I would be there a year max. Just because I'd seen this revolving door of women coming and going. And I thought everyone was happy with that situation. I thought that's what he wanted. I thought the women were happy with that. So when I decided to move in I didn't think I was like hurting anybody or taking advantage of anybody it was just this program that was there and there's an empty spot right now and I had just pictured us like having this friendship I guess because I'd seen other girlfriends of his kind of come and go and they were always portrayed as like having this really close friendship afterward and they'd always come back to the parties and they always looked so happy to see each other so I thought of our relationship as that at first But then I started to feel like I was in love with him in a very, like, looking back on it, I feel like it was a very Stockholm Syndrome type of thing where I just felt like I identified with him and he was complimenting me so much in the beginning. And I just started to, in my mind, blame all the other problems on the other women. Like, oh, this is a miserable situation. But if these other women weren't here, it wouldn't be like that. Right. And I think also I felt so attached and connected to him because... After I'd had sex that first night, I had just kind of locked myself into the situation in a way because of, like, the shame involved. The shame of, like, where do I really stand on this? Did I really think this through? Is this even, like, within my boundaries to be, like, having sex in in front of a bunch of people? And I was thinking about it today when I was coming here. Like, imagine having sex with somebody in a room full of women who all hate you and you know they're all talking shit about you. (laughs) <laughs> like how horrible <laughs> I I never even thought of it that way until now Wait, like obviously I, I felt either. it the whole time but I was thinking about it on my way over here and I'm like yeah that was kind of fucked Dude, up that is literally traumatic <laughs> mm-hmm. how many times a week would you say you all had to do that twice <sighs> and and how awful if you're like in a bad situation mm-hmm. with one of those girls and then it's like let's all get naked and fuck our boyfriend together like what yeah and they're like watching you yeah it was gross is it weird what did you like was it weird at times dynamic wise like did you ever feel uncomfortable like did you zone out when it was like happening with hef or were mm-hmm. you like aware of like the other girls staring at you like did you feel judged at all during that time I mean, I think I always felt judged when it was happening, but I was dissociating a lot. Like, I would always drink a lot when we went out, and we would all smoke weed when we got back to the house, and I was definitely dissociating. Like, even when I think back to it now, like, it was very routine every time. It was very much the same, 
it's not like things really like switched up or got more crazy but it was just this thing that I feel like everyone just wanted to get it over with as fast as possible okay I I'm fascinated to know did you ever have sex with him not in group setting yeah okay so you would have Uh just the two of you was that when you were the main girlfriend yeah when I was the main girlfriend and can I ask you like Mm -hmm. was it good like when you're by yourself with him you know when I think back to my younger self I feel like I was kind of asexual for a long time like even though I had a boyfriend in high school who I was into and in college I dated a couple a couple people I feel like when I look back at my college years I almost feel like I was dating more just out of loneliness or because I felt like I should interesting because I didn't really feel like I was into guys, and I wasn't into women either, but I didn't feel like I was really into guys sexually until after. So maybe... And I think also, not to interrupt, but no, I think no. I think also that kind of plays into maybe one of the reasons I was so okay making the decision right. to move into the mansion because I was kind of not as interested in guys. I wasn't like the typical 22-year-old where I'm like crushing on all these guys in college right. and wanting to be with them. Or, you know, really feeling like I need to fuck a certain guy because this guy's hot. Like, I didn't have those feelings at that point. So making the decision to move into the mansion, maybe. It was just transactional for you. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, my God, I have to, like, think this guy's hot because, you know what? I'm not even, like, that horny for any other guy. Yeah, Because the amount of people that are, like, how many vibrators are in this freaking house on a day-to-day basis? (laughs) And, like, how often are these girls masturbating? Because there's no way, like you had said, like, he's not trying to please any of the women. Mm -hmm. It's just to get hef off. That makes a lot of sense, Holly. I appreciate you for clarifying that because because I think the dynamic of having sex with this man, not getting pleasured, there are girls that had boyfriends. The question was, like, why didn't you try to get a boyfriend? Like, was there ever you at a party where, like, who's that one celebrity that was, like, hitting on you that you're like, ooh, should I risk it all for half? And what I'm hearing you say is, like, you kind of weren't interested in any type of relationship at the time. Yeah, not at all. I wasn't interested in anybody until I met the guy that I dated right after Hef. And that was like at the tail end of the relationship when I had already decided I don't want to be here anymore. That is that the man you married? No, that's... No. Uh, Chris he who Angel. shall not be named oh yeah he who shall not be named <laughs> I mean everybody can figure He's it a out magician. But, yeah. I remember watching his shit it was wild okay so you but you did find him attractive and you did want to have sex with him mm-hmm. interesting and you do know why that changed for you um I think for me I I don't know I think I just had to I mean maybe it's part of the whole thing where I feel like I'm not neurotypical right maybe I just and it takes me longer to connect with people and I just had to mature into it maybe and I think also just gaining confidence through doing the show and I also got a job at the Playboy studio and just becoming more of a woman on my own and doing my own things right because when I was a teenager in my early 20s I just didn't know who I was at all right can I ask you when you had your first orgasm Oh, no, I'd had an orgasm, like, with my high school boyfriend. Like, I was able to do it, but I just didn't really, like, have as much desire, I guess. Like, I wasn't... Your sex drive was just not, like, you're not, like, trying to, like, fuck every dude. Yeah, I was never, like, crushing on random guys, really. And I think... I don't think I'm asexual now, but I think I was for... I was just, like, a very late bloomer. Like, I look back on myself in my early 20s and think, I'm, like, an asexual person. I feel like I was just dating and going through the motions out of, like, loneliness or that's... Because I felt like that's what I should be doing. And I think that that's okay, though. Like, I think... 
I think that's what I have tried to clarify more with my uh-huh. show recently that in the beginning of Call Her Daddy, the content was so salacious and half of it was like, let's just try to get people to notice the show. Yeah. And you're saying crazy shit. Mm-hmm. And then the point to female empowerment was like, you can fuck 19 dudes in one night and it's fine. Yeah. But also, I think there's an importance for me now to make sure women know you also don't have to want to have sex every day. You don't have to mm-hmm. want to do cartwheels on a dick to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to have a boyfriend and want to have sex every day. Like, there's such a pressure for women to be like, you need to want to have sex just as much as men. Why don't you? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, it's always, like, men and their testosterone. And then women are like, I feel like I don't want to have sex as much. Like, what's wrong with me? And the fact that you're on Call Her Daddy right now just being like, I was, like, didn't really, wasn't interested. Like, I didn't really want to have sex with him and so it didn't really matter that i was just like going with whoever at the time like it wasn't something that was at the forefront of your mind and your life and your brain so that makes sense and i think anyone listening you shouldn't feel shamed if your sex drive is much lower than what maybe your friend in the room is saying she's like masturbates 19 a day great yeah not for you yeah for sure i think it's so amazing that we're moving to this time where we can talk about it and we can talk about women being empowered in their own sexuality like like you said if you want to fuck 19 guys in one night amazing but if you want to like not that's That's great too i think the most important thing is just to like take time to get to know yourself and be in tune with like what you want and what you don't want what you care about what you kind of care about a little bit but it's not a big deal you know you totally when you tried to have a child with half Uh and you couldn't Mm mm-hmm and at first, you didn't know why, right? Well, I knew it was because of him. Like, him. I, I was healthy, but right. he was and, just too old. And as much as you look back on that now, would you say that you're happy that didn't happen? Or yes. Like, yeah. Thank God. Oh, my I know. God. I know. It's just like when I was – when I had first gotten into that situation and something happened to my mind that first night I had sex where I felt like, okay, I did that. I, like, breached my own boundaries and I wasn't comfortable with it. Now I have to make this situation into something. I'd almost, like, locked myself into this box in a way, which wasn't hard to do there because it's a very cult-like atmosphere anyway, and you're manipulated to feel that way. But on top of it, like, my own kind of shame kept me there too that I just couldn't really – I couldn't really imagine a life outside of there like I thought okay this is my last stop if I want to have kids I'm gonna try and then when I knew that wasn't going to be a possibility with him like we tried in vitro and everything it didn't work um I was like okay well if I'm not gonna have kids here that's something I I need to think about like this is really like a death sentence in a way yeah what what resonated for me and I know a lot of women would be able to relate is like you were in a fully verbally and emotionally abusive relationship Uh uh-huh 1000%. As I'm reading this book, I'm like, holy fuck, this dude is not toxic. He is abusive. Yeah. And I'm assuming that also played, you are in a heightened situation where any relationship that you're in that is verbally and emotionally abusive, it is so hard to get out of Mm -hmm. because you are being fully manipulated. And you are, and, and then in your sense, it then is the Stockholm syndrome of, outside world to you probably look like how am I going to go get a normal job now are people going to accept me because I know you said this in the book it was like I was nervous about like what does life look like outside of the mansion doors and I didn't have a set life plan right away so I was like 
I'm going to just stay here because this is at least safer than me going out. And one of, I forget who it was, but someone left the mansion that had had a centerfold or something and then like moved back home. Yeah, no, it happened a few months after I moved in. Well, first, also another thing that happened is like a week after I moved in, 9-11 happened. And that for people who don't remember, even oh if God. you weren't in on the East Coast or close to it, it was so scary because all you hear is like, oh my God, the Twin Towers have been attacked and then the Pentagon's been attacked. And the next thing you think is, okay, what's next? Like any right. major city. And I just remember having gone from like sleeping on a friend's couch and not knowing what I'm doing the next day to living in this fortress. Like when 9-11 happened, that was another little moment that kind of made me feel like, oh my God, I'm safe I'm here. Safe. And then after a few months after that, there was kind of this shift with the group where there was almost a full turn- turnover. And the women who moved out, I saw what happened to them. A lot of them went into escorting and some of them had moved back home, which I knew they didn't want to do, but like they couldn't make it in LA. They couldn't make ends meet. And some of them got banned from ever coming back to the mansion because of the way, the way they were kicked out, like say if they were caught cheating on half or whatever. And then it was always like talked about and shamed within the mansion. So moving out to me looked very scary. <laughs> does it doesn't look like there's a lot out there after if you're watching girls leave, it's like, I don't want to do that. So why, yeah. why don't I stay here? You talk a lot too in the book about like, losing your mind a little bit in terms of like feeling like you just got like robotic and you like started to lose yourself and like you were like I feel dumb like I feel dumber like what am I doing like can you explain that yeah I just after being there for a couple years I just started to notice that I developed a stammer when I tried to speak which I had never had before and I just felt like my brain felt slower like I was slower to think of certain things and think of why do you think you got a stammer like, do you think it was because you were... I think it was part of being nervous, part of, like, partly doubting myself, yeah. partly just being in this environment where I was always drinking and, like, my mind was never stimulated. That's so I started, I started like, going back to school while I was there and, like, studying and things like that, and that kind of got me back. But just being in an atmosphere where you're only valued for your looks and you're yeah. just expected to go out and party all the time. And it feels like you were never able to like step out of place. Like and if you did mm-hmm. then you're getting yelled at by him. Exactly. Like I a was, toxic relationship. Yeah, like, I was like, kind of always in fear of either getting like sabotaged by one of the other women. I was always afraid of getting kicked out. I was always afraid of him yelling at me or embarrassing me in front of people. It like when I look back on that time in my life, I feel like I was in constant fight or flight. The saddest part obviously <laughs> was when you discuss being suicidal in the mansion. Yeah. And you say that you were at a point where you were in an environment that was driving you towards thinking you wanted to take your life and you went to Hef and he basically told you that he didn't want you to go see a psychiatrist because she would they would just tell you leave the mansion yeah (laughs) um what was that the first time that you were suicidal in your life I dealt with depression before like in high school I'd had it in college I'd had it a little bit and then when I was at the mansion I got to the point where I was having pretty heavy suicidal ideations because I just was so miserable it was before the show had come along so I didn't really feel like I had opportunities or anything that made me feel useful and it was just all this infighting within the women so I felt like there was a hostile world waiting for me outside because I felt like anytime I told anybody like where I lived or what I was doing they reacted pretty negatively or they felt like they had license to like ask me any kind of explicit questions about my sex life and you had mentioned that to me in our um, conversation you were like people would feel the need they would come up to me and felt it was okay to say to me, like, 
ask me sex questions and it's like yeah today no one would ever ask in an interview the questions that you were asked back then yeah especially in a situation like that because of a situation like that was going on today you might look at those women and be like are you okay yes. but back then it was like oh do you have to fuck him gross yeah, it's like, well, why don't you ask <laughs> yeah. a girl that's in her 20s are you okay yeah <laughs> instead of like yeah judging when he told you not to get help that obviously was a huge red flag but did you see it as a red flag at the time I did see it as a red flag and eventually I he told me to talk to his secretary about it I did and eventually I did go to a psychiatrist but it was one that like his doctor recommended of course of course course. so and this was right before we started filming the show and he put me on an antidepressant and said that I was having anxiety because the show was going to start shooting and even though the show turned out to be a really good opportunity I remember when we were told that this is what you guys are gonna do a part of me was really scared because I've always been pretty private and I had wanted to be in the entertainment industry in some way. That was right. like kind of what attracted me to Playboy in the first place. But I had always thought of it as like being an actress or like hosting a show, something like that. Like back then there wasn't even social media. So I was pretty private. I was scared to like live this life publicly on the show, especially since there was like so much shame involved in it for me. And and I was just stressed out because I always felt tricked at the mansion i always felt like dude the contracts you had a contract with the girls next door starts blowing up Uh we're going all the way back to the mia episode yet again it's like what is with girls getting handed contracts and you have two seconds to sign it and you're threatening them and i'm pretty sure that's literally legal and they said to you like you have to sign it now and then there was also speculation that Kendra wasn't there to sign it and they like forged her signature yeah I don't know for a fact if that's what happened but I remember hearing all the talk in the office about it like oh Kendra's not here this weekend but we have to get this signed and I don't know like if she actually signed it like maybe she thinks she did like maybe they handed her a paper like the day she got back but and maybe they were lying to Bridget and I and saying oh we need the papers this day and you guys have to sign it maybe they didn't really need it that day I don't know but in my opinion we signed those contracts under duress because it was like the three of us as far as I know each had a reason for not wanting to sign it It was like no you have to sign it or there's not going to be a show and you know what what you like you live here you have to do it when we first started filming they didn't even pay us they just like expected to do us to do it they didn't pay us they also didn't inform us when the nudity was going to be unblurred because we were filming this with the full expectation that everything was going to be blurred because you can't show nudity on cable TV at that time. Yeah. And, you know, for people who might not understand if they've never posed nude or anything, you might think, well, if you pose nude, why would you care if there was like a naked video out there? But there's just different levels for everybody. You know, some people, you know, if you're Mormon, you wear a garment under your suit all the time because that's what you're comfortable with. Some people feel comfortable changing in a spa locker room in front of other women but they would never pose nude some people right. feel comfortable pose nu- posing nude but they wouldn't want like a video of them walking around naked broadcast around the world Absolutely. so when we're doing this show and we're filming like our nude pictorials which is in front of like the playboy crew and like they do this for a living they don't care we're comfortable being naked in front of them but we had the expectation that any video of us would be blurred and wouldn't be shown And somewhere in the middle of the first season, they decided to take the blurring away because Hef would always screen the show the night it came out, like after the Sunday movie. Right. 
So when he showed one of the episodes, all of a sudden, like halfway through one of the seasons, the nudity wasn't blurred. And we're like, oh, okay. All right. But they never told us that. And you're not making fucking money. No. So it's like, how fucking wrong? Yeah. They just thought that because we lived there that, you know, they just owned us. And we were always told we were replaceable. And eventually, of course, we got paid for it. And then when the contracts came along, I don't remember what season we signed the contracts. It was like midway through the whole thing. And... Bridget didn't want to sign it right away because she wanted her lawyer to look at it, which is totally reasonable. I think Kendra was gone and I think wanted her manager to look at it, which is totally reasonable. I didn't want to sign it because I felt like it was creepy because I felt like I was signing a contract to be in a relationship, basically. And I told Hef that and he goes, oh, that's sweet. Yeah, but you need to sign it because, you know, we need it today or like E isn't going to order the show. And I just don't really believe a network would operate that way. So I think they were lying, but it was creepy. So that was a full, that was another example on a large, one of the larger scales of like you fully getting manipulated yet again by this man and Mm -hmm. taking and fully taken advantage of the fact that your content is out there and you're nude and you did not sign off on it and you're not getting paid for it. Manipulative. Yeah, for sure. Like not okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, once Girls Next Door ends mm-hmm. and you you had said too, which is interesting, like once the other girls were going to leave and it's interesting to go back to what you had uh-huh. said, you were like, I thought maybe it would be better with just me there. Like I thought maybe my relationship with Hef would be better. Then when you realize you couldn't have kids, then mm-hmm. Kendra and um, Bridget are moving along. You decide to end the relationship with Hef. Yeah. And do, is there something you remember like – in a day randomly being like i see the light i want to leave because like you're leaving a toxic relationship an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. most girls it's like they never get to that point to be able to see it there's no one also like pulling you out of it holly there's no like family member being like holly we're coming to get Uh you to pack up your stuff you're gonna have to pack up your suitcase by yourself and walk out the doors back to your old car and like leave Mm -hmm. how did you get to that point ready to leave um, it was over the course of a few months because I had a lot of guilt. I felt like I'd made a commitment to be with him. I mean, it's yeah. laughable thinking back, but I felt like I had made a commitment to be with him. And we talked about, you know, being together for the rest of his life. And I, so I felt a little bit guilty about leaving. But, you know, when I realized I wasn't going to be able to have kids with him, that was a big thing. And not just that, but also the fact that I was sad about it when that was the outcome and my depression was coming back and he would go and ask Bridget why I was depressed but like he wouldn't ask me and Bridget was like I don't know I think you need to go talk to Holly and like he wouldn't come talk to me about it It was just really weird so it was that and also the fact that over the years I'd been living there I had been like making excuses in my mind for this whole relationship and I always thought that the other women were the problem and if they were gone and if I didn't have to deal with any of that bullshit then I could be happy But as everybody was leaving and I started to realize, okay, it's just me and Hef, he started lashing out at me more. And I'm not really sure why that was. I don't know if he was just, like, stressed because, like, behind the scenes, maybe things weren't going great financially, which I didn't know at the time. But after I left, I know things weren't so great financially for him. So maybe he had some stress or maybe he just didn't have the games of, like, pitting the three of us against each other anymore since Bridget and Kendra were moving out but he started lashing out at me more for like really stupid things and I just realized like I can't be here like this guy is an asshole like I can't 
stay here. Right. But still, even still, I felt guilty leaving. So it took time and it took me actually being like interested in another man before I finally was like, okay, I have to pull the plug because I'm not going to cheat. So. It's crazy that you say you felt guilty. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like it just that? goes along with like all the love bombing stuff and right. like the we're going to be together forever and you're going to be with me for the rest of my life and blah, blah, blah. Like he would compare me to Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Like I just came along to this cat. It's so silly. He would compare but... you to Belle. Yeah. Dude, this guy, it's so sad because now that you've had time to step away from it, like I obviously reading your book, it was clear that he is, well, he's full. He was, he was, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. He was fully a sex addict. Yeah. Like had to have been. Mm-hmm. Um, You don't have to comment on this, but like fully like maybe weirdo pedophile shit going on like yeah he the amount of things that you were adding up together of one the fact that he had your childhood photo near his bed was would be cute maybe for a boyfriend but the amount that you were also explaining of like he was so fascinated with young young women Yeah, like, he was very careful about, like, what was legal as far as being with anybody over 18. But there were just little clues I picked up on over the years that were just kind of gross. Um, Like, nothing overt, nothing to the point where... Girl and dog porn, Holly? Yeah, no, I found found this weird old reel because his room used to be just, like, this hellhole of, like, stacks and stacks of videotapes. He was, like, a hoarder. Yeah, and I was like, I'm going to clean this room up. (laughs) I was like, I'm going to get rid of this tapes. Yeah, so I'm cleaning the room up, and, like, I opened this one drawer, and there's this old, like, film reel, and it said girl and dog, and it was in the porn section, and I'm just like, ugh. That is so disturbing. Yeah. Was there anything that he ever did like kinky wise that you were like what the fuck no because the sex was pretty like as not basic as it was it was basic and that it was kind of the same every time but he always like had a fixation on everyone like always being fully shaved okay yeah and he always like like vaginas to look a certain way like what? Like like the like nothing sticking out. Okay, like innies, not outies. Yeah, thing. and I I don't know. I just I just feel like his obsession with like young women was semi gross. Oh, okay, because it was like a little girl's vagina. Yeah. Basically. How did you know that? Would he say that to the girls? Yeah, no, he would like get mad if somebody wasn't shaved or like you just know. make comments. Yeah, and, like, maybe the girl with the Audi wasn't invited. Yeah, back. that. Was the sex him literally always just being missionary? I'm like picturing this old man just like what how is he? No, he was for the most part like it wasn't this way the first time I was there, but like he was on top the first time, but he was always laying down every other time that I remember. Oh, and so you guys would have to get on top. Yeah. Okay, so this man is now not only pleasuring you guys, (laughs) but he's like laying there and you guys have to do the work. Yeah. God, well, he's so selfish. I have to ask just because daddy gang is like, uh-huh. you have, what was his dick like? Did um, he have a big dick? <laughs> I have to ask just because daddy gang is like, uh-huh. you have, what was his dick like? Did um, he have a big dick? It, it was just like normal. normal. Yeah. There but was like, nothing wh- like. And he always had to take Viagra. Yeah. For having faked it, because I'm assuming, did you ever have an orgasm with him? No, I mean, I was too messed up, I right, think. Too. Right. You, okay, so you go through all this at mansion, you finally leave. The ironic thing is when I left the mansion, I got sucked into another relationship that was really bad. Even though I knew 
when I was getting out of the mansion, I was like, okay, I'm not going to move in with this guy. I'm going to like have my own place and my own life. Like I was so ready mentally to be independent, but it was another like love bombing relationship where it was like, no, you need to move in with me. Like this is going to happen. You need to move in with me, blah, blah, blah. And I just fell into that. And I think it was easier for me to fall into that because this was a guy who was 10 years older than me, but still much closer to my age than Hep was and seems like somebody, you know, Oh, and he was, like, hot at the time. Yeah. I remember watching his show. I don't even remember what it was on, but I thought, like, Chris Chris Angel, whatever, is he? he's still doing his shit. I don't know. But I remember him being, like, the hottest thing. And then you two were, like, an it couple at the time. Mm-hmm. Did you have – because that's crazy to go from a toxic relationship and then you get right into – and it was, like, overlapped. Like, right as you're leaving, uh-huh. you meet him, you get out of the mansion, and then you go right back into a toxic relationship – how long did that relationship last? Not very long. It was only like four to six months. Okay. And then you were like, you put a halt to it. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. I'm repeating patterns. You may look a little bit different, yeah. but it's the same situation. Yeah. I really feel like that was sent to me by the universe to just be like this final like dot on the eye just right. to be like, okay, you need to never like get into a relationship like this again. Right. Because I was given... um a different version of the half relationship just without with a younger person and without like the whole cult right culty type scenario do you around find, it but. as you've grown up now and like you look back on these years do you find something that you feel like you could help uh, someone listening that feels like they keep getting into toxic relationships like what was it initially about these people that drew you to them and then what like how do you feel like you kept getting how did you go from half to that immediately like was it familiar to you that you thought did you have in mind Mm -hmm. like I'm gonna try something different but you went right to the same thing or were you not thinking that like make sure I go to something different I definitely thought I was doing something different I thought this I thought this guy was gonna be like the polar opposite because he was younger and I just and he didn't have the same type of lifestyle and I mean what to watch out for is like love bombing yeah of course and back then like love bombing I don't even think that term had been coined like nobody talked about it so when a guy is talking about wanting to get married on your first date like yeah you're kind of laughing like haha stupid and you'll like tell one friend about it like it's funny but then you like kind of want to believe it so I'm I would definitely like not take people too seriously if they're like laying it on too strong in the very beginning because do you even want somebody who like wants to like marry you without even knowing you like that's creepy that's a really good point yeah and and just like wanting like pressure to move in together too soon is a really bad sign and sometimes I feel like I don't even see the true colors of these people until they have you in a position where you're dependent on them in some way like after you've been pressured to quit your job and after your valuables are in his safe and after you know he's pressured you to stop meeting up with your friends and things like that then the real side comes out so those are definitely it's warning signs it's the isolation i'm mm-hmm. hearing too of like i know i have had friends that have gotten into because i've been in toxic but like i've never well, no, I did start to isolate myself from my family yeah. a little bit and stop telling them maybe some of the bad things he was doing because I was like, but what if, like, things get better and then, like, I don't want to throw him under the bus to my mom because, you know, when you tell your mom something, exactly. then it's, like, it's over. And then all of a sudden you look around and the only person that you have is him and that's the dependency factor where it's, like, I isolated myself from my friends, my family, my job, and now I have him and then that is, like, what they want. But you have to continue to make sure that the pe- there are other people around around you that can be objective when it comes to you and that relationship like you should be able to talk to your friends about your relationship and if you can't why 
Yeah. Most and of I think the time it, it's not just because they're judgy friends. Yeah. And, and if I, they are, there's a few, but like most of the time it's like, well, why can't you talk about your relationship? Exactly. Yeah, is it embarrassing to you? Right, right. <laughs> and I think it's interesting what you said about how you always thought it was going to get better because when my book first came out, I would so often get criticism like, well, if you didn't like it, why didn't you leave? And I think when people don't leave relationships like that, a big part of it, other than just feeling isolated and feeling like you don't have resources, is there's a part of you that really truly believes it's going to get better. Yeah. And that's not to say like a bad relationship can't ever get better, but it definitely clouds your judgment for sure. Like you think it's going to get better. You think this was the last fight and oh my God, they're so much nicer now. Right. And I just think you really need to be vigilant about looking out for the red flags, like somebody who wants you to move in too quickly or somebody who wants you to like hand over your valuables or like stop hanging out with your friends. It's crazy that you say this too, because I have someone in my life right now that it's been almost, it's been a few years now of they're in a toxic relationship and you have to be so if anyone's listening that you are like my friend is in one mm -hmm. the advice i could give is like when people say to you how like why didn't she just leave that is the dumbest yeah. fucking question <laughs> i have ever heard you clearly don't understand how humans mind work like you were in a situation that was so fucked that to get out of something like that it takes at times years yeah. and i'm looking at someone right now in an unhealthy relationship with their partner and she is somewhat starting to see it mm -hmm. but you also have to as a friend if you shit on that person's relationship so much they will fully pull away from you so it's a hard balance of trying to make sure you're supportive and you're there for the person but slowly when they're listening and they're shitting on the person maybe that like they're coming to you and finally opening up to you like hey i'm not really comfortable instead of being like you gotta leave them sometimes it just starts with listening and yeah. being there for support and you don't have to provide a solution i always joke to my boyfriend i'm like you always think i'm coming to you and i need a solution i really just need you to listen yeah exactly. most of the time if someone's in a toxic relationship the start of them having any strength the fact that they're even mm -hmm. talking to you about it is step one sit there and listen because that's what i've been doing and then finally i feel like i'm in phase twos with two with this person where she's finally kind of being like looking at like what would life look like yeah. without him and how do I even actualize that and slowly I've started to try to help her like well this is maybe like what you could do or like have you thought about living on your own and like you don't even have to fully break up like what about like living on your own and it's like well no he he wants me to live with him I'm mm -hmm. like well maybe that's something to think about like you just have to slowly go through those parts with them and not force them to leave because like Holly's saying how the fuck would you know where to go what to do you were terrified and you were yeah. also being me verbally and mentally abused so it's like it's not as easy as just leave no it's not that yeah easy. exactly especially when you're in like a city that you are having trouble making it in yeah. for a while and it's expensive and and i think too like if you have a friend in a situation like that just for that person to know that somebody is out there willing to listen and not judge yep. is so helpful because I was so scared to talk to anybody for so long because I was just scared of being judged. Like, ew, why did you sleep with that guy, right. you know? And instead, it's like, just be open and accepting of whatever they're coming to you with because that's half the time all someone needs. Is yeah, someone absolutely. You are a boss ass bitch and when you Thanks. leave the mansion you go dancing with the stars you start i mean the peep show gave me chills because watching you be headlining a show that was supposed to have people like rotating in as the yeah. main and then holly comes in and gets a show in vegas and knocks it out of the fucking park <laughs> you are i loved oh and you did an interview too and someone said like because at the time um who you were married to they're like oh yeah and his bank account and you're like i was doing well before i was married also yeah like, fuck you for a little bit there yeah and i think it's so great just having like the experiences i had when i was married like 
my husband was very very generous but we never really like merged finances like we yep. always had a prenup that like kept everything separate Smart. and even now like I don't accept alimony from him or anything and yeah. like we're just co-parenting and everything's good and I think it's good advice for anybody moving forward is to always keep your own thing going and just to always keep your own finances good and that's huge like, yeah it's crazy I think as a lot of people don't talk about that and I think that's a good topic Holly of like you having had been married had your own success you go you get this amazing gig in Vegas you are like the woman of Vegas you're killing it <laughs> like you have you are so talented you can't just headline a show and it just be like oh but it's just because she was Hugh Hefner's girlfriend nope fuck off you are so talented <laughs> you killed it you did Dancing with the Stars um you were making your own money to then go like it's so fascinating to me I always thought joking when I was younger like whenever people are like oh prenups I'm like oh my gosh when you're younger you're like I, oh my god if he says he wants a prenup he like doesn't love you meanwhile I'm like oh whoever I fucking marry prenup exactly like, I don't even understand why this day and age people even their finances and earnings get merged when they're married I don't understand that that's a good point like if you want to make a deal with your significant other and you're like okay since you're spending so much time raising the kids I'm going to make sure you get this like right. that should be talked about separately it shouldn't be I just don't believe people should get married and automatically everything's merged. I think that's fucked up. I agree. And also, not that I'm a pessimist here, but 50% of marriages end in divorce. So it's yeah. like, not that you're planning for it to end, but like, be smart. And I, especially to all the girls listening, like, I agree. I've had so many friends, parents that got divorced and the mom back then, because back then it was like, women weren't usually working. And mm -hmm. it's like, they don't have anything they were like oh I didn't have a bank account to myself and it's like make sure you are good on your own yeah for and sure don't rely on someone else because you never fucking know what's about to happen and yeah. now you're sitting here like I don't I mean I don't need alimony we're co-parenting I'm good I have my own shit I worked my ass off to get where I am and now you're sitting here with me and I'm like I'm in shock that you're here but like it's amazing your journey of saying you were suicidal in the mansion you were getting abused and mentally physically all the things are just like down in the dumps and now you're sitting here and you're like oh I, I'm a boss ass bitch I did all this you can go through hardships in life and then you can rise from the motherfucking ashes absolutely like I think you can take almost anything you've gone through and turn it into something positive and I think that's part of you know what I was holding on to when I was there and just hoping things yeah. would get better I'm like I have to turn this into something like I don't want to look back on this and think oh that was that shitty night where I felt you know used and chewed up and spit out like I want to right turn. thrive yeah and exactly. like I said you not only survived but you thrived mm -hmm. your book now having had come out when you look back on writing it the I had said to you obviously there was some shade getting thrown from both you Kendra everyone yeah do you feel like now you still stand by everything you said in the book or is there anything different that you feel or are you kind of still on the same page oh no I'm 100% still on the same page I just there's one tiny little nitpicky thing like I think I commented a lot about on other women's like plastic surgery at the mansion not yeah. naming names or anything but right. I would say oh this person had so much filler in her face she looked old and it wasn't like I'm even trying to tear her down I was more trying to make a commentary on how 
toxic everybody's like dysmorphia and body issues and the competition were there and now plastic surgery is so much more common but 15 years ago it really wasn't so when I stepped into the mansion and I'm hanging out in one of the girls rooms and she's like pinching her stomach and saying I need to get lipo and then she picks up the phone and orders chocolate cake for breakfast it was just like a whole new world I was just like wait what is happening here it was just like plastic surgery was so common so I think I would like word that different because going back I kind of look at it and I'm like oh it sounds like I'm being catty or mean and that like wasn't the point it was more like I'm just trying to comment and I've had plastic surgery I don't care I don't think there's anything wrong with it but no everything in my book I still feel like the same way about and I I kind of I I agree with you in the sense that I'm also sure what you were trying to point out was when you first got there Mm -hmm. you had had your boobs done Uh but you weren't fully morphed into the girl next door that you see on the show yeah. yet and so like you said your hair was in a certain way your face didn't look a certain way you weren't doing your makeup a mm-hmm. certain way so when you got there you're looking at these women and you were almost observing like oh wow I don't look anything like them other than that I have blonde hair and like big boobs yet and like then you slowly started to make decisions because you realize Hef liked a certain like you said he liked the girl to be tan have the most yeah. platinum hair um, and then you started to go into that. But I agree with you. I loved what you said about plastic surgery in your interview on E where you said you use it as like you're like your looks are like a tool. Yeah, it's not who you are on the inside. So right. I think people get so mad when they see other people get plastic surgery like they're cheating at life or something. And it's like looks aren't even that deep. Right. Like calm down. Like I want to look a certain way at this point in my life almost as like a hobby. It's just like the aesthetic right. I like. Like it's just like a tool, you know, to get through life. It's not who you are. Yeah, and I think we would be looks you can you can put them at in a caliber of they matter or they don't mm-hmm. matter however you want to look at it if you care about your appearance i said this with mia off camera we were talking about mm-hmm. why do why does no one shit on a guy if he has a six pack abs but if girls are trying to make sure they look great why are girls getting shamed if they want to get plastic surgery or they want to work out and get that six pack like we never yeah. comment on men and their bodies but women it's so fixated like why is she getting plastic surgery? Because I want to. Yeah. Because I want to look great because I think I'll look great. And you don't have to get a boob job. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get any plastic surgery, but I want to. And you're saying, like, you use it as a tool, especially in the field you were in. You're like, I'm thriving. And looks in your field matters. Yeah. So it's like, why not play up that? But also, it has nothing to do with who you are inside and what else you have to offer and your brain. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's They're completely separate. Mm-hmm. So I think the shaming of... I agree with you. I'm kind of really happy that there has been a turn in society recently that women are feeling more open to be able to talk about any type of plastic surgery. And it's not because it used to be shamed. Yeah, for sure. And I'm hoping everyone listening is not shaming people for doing whatever they – it's your body. You can Mm -hmm. do whatever the fuck you want to it. Um, Do you have a relationship with Kendra at all now? No. Okay. And you have a relationship with Bridget? Yeah. Yeah, Bridget and I have always been close. We've always been. She always friends seems like the one. sweetest. Yeah, she is in the world. Uh-huh. Do you look back and regret anything you did on Girls Next Door? Um, I mean, when I look back at Girls Next Door, especially the first few seasons, I see myself just coping. Like I was really stiff and not open and just like a robot and just saying the type of things that I felt like Hef would want me to say and things that made him look good right. and I almost can't really regret that because I don't know how else I would have coped like now you know in front of the camera for anything I'm just myself and I'm more open and in a way I'd love to look back and be like oh I would have loved to have been myself more but 
I mean, I couldn't have. Right. There's no way I couldn't have said what I was really thinking or feeling. Like I would have been like it would have been cut. It wouldn't have made it wouldn't have made it to the airways. But yeah, I was just super guarded. I was just super nervous about just putting my private life out into the public which I think a lot of people would be yeah not a lot of people like sit in front of microphones like we're doing right yeah. now like, casually <laughs> chat about the men that they've slept with like yeah. it's not that normal to a lot of people yeah um has that was one of my only last questions was like I remember I think you said on zoom it's interesting you had said has the relationship you had with Hef affected your male relationships past that moving forward like are men super insecure do they not care do they think it's cool like what is their relationship to that um some have been really insecure like some have just like raked me over the coals for it and just wanted to like ask a million questions about the sex and every little detail and at that point this was like before I wrote my book so I hadn't even like gone back and processed it myself at all so it was like traumatic for me to relive it through them like being angry and attacking me for it and attacking me for it as if it was something I had done while I was in a relationship with them so some guys are just super insecure and can't deal and I remember a lot of men yeah Yeah. and I remember that now like if I'm in a relationship and I want to ask my boyfriend about an ex I always take a step back and I'm like okay like where am I being jealous and am I asking him about some crazy person he doesn't even want to remember because I know what it feels like on the other side I know what it feels like to be like attacked from a jealous angle it sucks what is next for you like what are are you just enjoying being a mom like what are you working on like what what's up I am enjoying being a mom I have a couple tv projects that are coming out later this year which I I'm the annoying guest who's like I have a really exciting project but I can't tell you anything about it (laughs) I love it (laughs) but secret project yeah there's a couple there's a couple cool things they're both for tv and it's just one one is really confidential that I just participated in it's not like my thing and the other thing is more my thing but I have to wait for the network to talk about it okay so, i want to see holly madison back on tv yeah. i want to go rewatch girls next door then read the book again then listen to this episode again and then by that time hopefully whatever your secret project <laughs> yeah. is i'm like giving you beaming eyes um hopefully we can watch you somewhere because you are not only are you entertaining but you are now at a point where i think i know so many women look up to you holly and Thanks. i am so fortunate to have you sitting on this couch with me and having this interview. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to do it. Thank you. Daddy gang, that is it for this week's episode. I am honored to have been able to sit down with Holly. I honestly can't believe it. The show, it's so fucking cool to be able to have this ability to not only have amazing conversations with people, but also selfishly meet some of my childhood idols I think the first one that I was like shitting my fucking pants no shit obviously was Miley Cyrus and then being able now to sit down with Holly Madison I'm like it literally doesn't get better than this I hope you guys loved hearing the conversations that we had today make sure you guys DM Holly go show her love next week motherfuckers I'm not gonna promise yet because I'm in the talks of it but there is potentially a man that has never come on Call Her Daddy before coming on next week. Okay? It's not official yet. I don't want you guys to chop off my head if it doesn't happen. But I'm almost, I would say 95% sure this man is coming on. And the drama that is 
fucking coming your ways and the shit you're probably gonna give me shit for having this human being on the show i don't care i promise you there's a reason and a rhyme to why i want to have this man on the show so daddy gang you know the motherfucking drill i will see you fuckers next wednesday This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Want $0 delivery fees? Try DashPass by DoorDash. Daddy gang, I love being home. I love to be cozy, comfortable, laying on the couch. I can't tell you how many times I need something, but I am too lazy to get up and get out of the house. And sometimes I need food or groceries, you name it. Dash Pass gets it delivered right to my door and yours too. It is only $9.99 a month. So I think it's a really good deal, Daddy Gang. So get $0 delivery fees on eligible orders with Dash Pass and new members get a 30-day free trial. Terms apply. Sign up today.